Case 35. When a beautiful woman's spirit departs. <coughs> Wuzu asked a monk at a funeral, this beautiful woman has died and her spirit has departed. Which is the real person? Woman's comment. If you can awaken to the real person here, then you realize that both leaving and entering the shell of worldly existence <coughs> is like sojourning in a traveler's inn. If you cannot awaken to the real person here, don't go running around in confusion when the physical elements that compose your body suddenly disperse, you will be failing around miserably like a crab dropped into boiling water. When that time comes, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Clouds and moon are the same. Streams and mountains are different. Myriad blessings Myriad blessings. Are we and they one or two? Okay, now we will discuss. And um, we'll talk, Lori. Okay. Um, I'm, well, I'm not I, hearing you. Well, I, I wasn't talking quite, but I'm oh, talking okay. now. Okay. You hear me now? Yeah, we want clarity about this. <laughs> All righty then. So I'll just read you what I wrote. Um, so I, I found the question interesting, or yeah, which is the real person? And, and, and then with Moomin's comment, I was thinking, who is the real person here? I think it's who is the real person here? It, and it, it's when you, and when you awaken to that real person that's here, the real person here, it, you know, you to the awakened one, you understand that leaving and entering the shell or the body of worldly existence is just like traveling, it's just a temporary, it's a provisional, provisional thing. And then if you, it says, if you can't awaken to this, to you, to what, who the real person is, don't be confused. But then, then the question, is it one or two? Are we one or two? Um, and it, what's that scripture line that says not one, not two? It's neither neither one and two, because it's, are we are, are we separate? We are, are we separate? No, are we, are we the same? Are we one? Well, not exactly. So that's what I came up with. Yeah. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know why? It's, it's because it's the root question. What am I? That's what I felt when I read this. It's the, it's the root question. What am I really? You know, am I this person, this personality, or am I formless? 
spirit, you know, what am I? And, um, and it reminded me of that, um, oh, that little story about the a disciple or the, the student asking the master, well, if you say that everything is perfect as it is and that we're all, it's all just the one, um, you know, then what, you know, what's the problem? And he goes, well, yeah, you're right about that. He says, except that lot of good it does you unless you know it. <laughs> and so now we're back to the discovery for ourselves uh, of that question, what are we really? Um, spirit or form or, it just puts me right back into, um, into the mystery. Um, and then I also was thinking, um, time is short. <laughs> Life is, you know, passing quickly. <laughs> no time. It's, it's the question, you know, that um, uh, needs to be answered, in, at least for me. Um, that's why I practice. I like the image of the, the uh, travelers, um, the traveler, the sojourner in a traveler's inn. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still mystified from when I was with my sister and she died and, you know, seeing her body there and realizing that wasn't her and, and yeah. I don't know. Also, I had kind of, I had tea with uh, Nicole in England the other day and um, I was talking to her about that photo of me when I was 18 or 20 or however old I was and not being able to uh, know that person. And something that came up in our conversation was that it wasn't that I couldn't do it. It was more like I didn't want to do it. And, mm -hmm. and so, some, something in our conversation, you know, suggested to me that I could do it. It's just going to take some work to become, to get into that person's mind of who I was when I was 20. And I don't know if that, um, I, how that relates, but there was a person there that I, that I thought it would be impossible to connect to. And not Nicole, but the 20 year old, me. And, and now I realize I can do that. Um, one more thing. Well, I don't understand the clouds and mountains are the same. Streams and mountains are different. That sounds like that Dogen. Yeah. Is it Dogen that was the waters and mountains? And they were different. They're different. But I don't understand the clouds and moon being the same, unless they're kind of ephemeral. Oh, I mean, could they be referencing like the heavens? I don't know. <laughs> I think for me, it just makes me feel um, that it's not either or. It's in some odd way, neither or both. Do you know what I mean? It's it, that's what it's all, you know, saying, you know, uh, to me. It's the feeling I get. It's like you can't land on, you know, things existing or not existing. Do you know it? Not the one and not the two. Right. It, it's it's sort of, it, it, it's all one that appears one. as many, right? That appears as many. 
you know, so. Well, and are you talking relative or absolute? Yeah. It's, it's many if it's relative and absolute is one. Uh And yet um, they don't seem to be separate from everything that I've been, you know, uh, learning and reading uh, about. Mm -hmm. But again, then I'm back to that mystery, you know, like that's a concept to me. And yet um, there's an experiential, like you say, uh, place where this all um, comes together in a way that it doesn't even need any thinking to go with it. It just, just, it, it just is, you know? Um, so I, you know, I just, I just like it. I like that too, Kim, about the sojourning in a traveler's inn, shell of worldly. It's like everything seems uh, ephemeral. And I personally can't really get into the head of who I was when I was 18 anymore. It's almost like she was a dream in an odd way. I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, what I might've been believing or thinking then, you know, uh, I could kind of go back a little bit, but at the same time, she's, she at 18 is a mystery to me, even as I am now. What, what Nicole brought up to me is, is rather than we can't do it, maybe if we don't want to do it. Mm. No, I, I kind of disagree because I've often gone back to try to um, look at my early life and find all the ways I could have been different. And what was I do, thinking of? And why did I do this? And, you know, I mean, I've done that like, you know, forever. And um, so I, I think for me, um, I've tried to do that, you know, to figure the whole thing out. And yet when I really get honest, I realize that even at 18 or whatever age I am, just like we were learning in class today, there are, everything's causing everything else. It's just this flow. It's this mystery, you know, constantly moving and changing. And um, I'm not the same person I was then, but then I'm not the same person I was apparently yesterday either. <laughs> I think once you have the other knowledge, it's hard to really comprehend something that doesn't it's like your mind can't go to something that it's can't really fully comprehend what it's not. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Cody? Zeldar. <laughs> well, that's his last name. Oh. <laughs> I'm lost, man. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I was I was taking Lost the more direct. Face. Yeah, I was taking the more direct approach. Uh, you know, I I had to I had to leave where I was earlier because my son kept uh he kept wanting to speak, so I had to come in. So I kind of missed out on some of the parts, but uh, I just took the question and I and I just said I think the real person is the one that died. You know, to be honest. Uh, but I, you know, once we get past that part, then it just kind of goes like really, really deep. Yeah, maybe it was the thought of uh, the person 
died. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The thought that we think for a person, maybe that's what dies. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Is it important that she's beautiful? I don't think it is. Like I mean, what does that even mean? Well, the 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 beauty would go away. It's more uh, it depends if it's depends what you're talking about. Is it a physical beauty or is it, you know, a beautiful person? You know. Could she could be beautiful inside? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that goes away necessarily. You say you don't think it, you, you say you, you don't think it goes away? I don't think it goes away. If you're beautiful inside, it doesn't necessarily go away. I guess if you had, I mean, you, cause all right, that, that kind of brings me to a place. Cause I'm trying to figure out, figure it out. Like once you die and you say the beauty inside don't go away, are you talking about like, as, as far as like other people that they touched or like memories or something like that? Well, there's that, but um, I was just thinking during a lifetime. Okay. Doesn't change, you know. Okay. Although it doesn't necessarily change. It's not an absolute. Some people can have be a beautiful person for a long, long time, and then all of a sudden something happens and it changes them. But I don't don't know how often that happens. Yeah, I, I don't think it's extraneous, the fact that she's a beautiful woman as opposed to just a woman. Yeah, I'm just saying that. How do you define beautiful? You're, you're thinking physically, and I'm I'm just saying it could be something else. I think I think I think that that's how I assume it is in this koan. That mm. the beauty is 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 physical. Why and what difference would it make? I'm just wondering. <laughs> it wouldn't. It spot. wouldn't. It's just an assumption I made. Yeah. I really. Uh, I, I'm, I I never will forget this. Um, in my former job as dean, I would go to a lot of funerals, and <laughs> like for you know, whenever someone's like relative or mother or father died or something, I thought it would be important for someone from the school to go. So the maybe it was like a secretary or something she met me at the door and she said oh i'm so glad you're here let i want you to meet my sister and i didn't quite know who had died or whatever she led me you know all the way through the church or the the funeral home and then (laughs) to the casket (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and you know kim you mentioned your um, your sister passing and how you just knew that she was not in that body. Body, and I had the same experience. Um, my sister, they had an open casket, um, and she was like seventeen. And uh, I remember that struck me. I was nineteen, and I remember looking down at her and thinking, "Oh, she's not there. She's not in there." You know, I mean, I just knew it. 
And so, another another funeral was was a Southern Baptist funeral, and long, long, long orations or whatever you eulogies. And then at the end, the minister pointed up toward the closed casket and said, "Now, when we open the casket, it will be empty." Oh, oh, wow! Meaning yeah. that the spirit, the spirit okay. will have gone. Yeah, because we paid attention. Yeah. I one thing I I do like also about what we read with uh, Wu Men's comment. Um, he talks about uh, if we cannot awaken to the real person here, don't go running around in confusion. Um, when the physical elements that compose your body suddenly disperse, you will be flailing around miserably like a crab dropped into boiling water. When that time comes, don't say I didn't warn you. So. You know, basically, you know, he's just saying this question, this question, what are we really, you know, is, is important. It's, it's an important uh, question to contemplate, um, even as we're, I'm attached to, you know, being a person in a body here, I think who I am, I don't know who I am. Okay, well, since we're alive, let's read Google's comment. <laughs> <laughs> is it big enough for you cody uh, cody or should i make it bigger i can see it fine i got okay. my glasses yeah i i can make it bigger no i'm, I'm good I, okay That's tiny actually Before. i i want to make it bigger <laughs> i can't see it <laughs> okay uh, Lori, it's your turn to read. Okay. Google Goo's comment. Before we go into this case, I will mention that some time ago, I got an email from a longtime practitioner who had started to practice with our group. She had made a very perplexing and troublesome discovery. She did not know who she was. Was she the person the world saw living for other people? Or was she her own person living a life engaged in practice? Whatever she did seemed to be done for others. Was it me or was it them? If it is me, then where is this me? If it is them, then how can I live my life for other people? Wait a minute, wasn't she living her life for everybody else? Yeah. Was she the person just not living for other people? Okay. Um, was it me or was it this? If it was me, then where is this me? If it is them, then how can I live my life for other people? She eventually overcame her fear, but she did not give up practicing for a certain period of time. Finally, she let go of the perplexing question of who she was and her mind began to settle down. And now Cody. I replied to her that in practice, it is normal to experience a roller coaster of big waves, small waves, ups and downs, but, it's important, but it is important not to get caught up in the scenery along the way. When we drive from A to B, we just drive. We use the momentum and energy from these experiences to return to the method. I suggested that she do prostration meditation and deeply investigate why she practiced so she could rekindle her commitment. This 
And I think bonus. I think what that is, Cody, is is like doing a, a ten thousand bows. Yeah, it's it's just bowing. Yeah, a lot of bowing. I've done that before. Oh, it, uh, oh what it sorry. does is it wears you out. It wears you out so you can't think or or um, you know what I mean <laughs> anymore. You're just so that's the that's the prostration meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, just go all the way down and come back up. And after a while, you're so exhausted that you're not thinking of your problem anymore or anything else. It's it's uh, <laughs> pretty interesting, except that your knees <laughs> might hurt or something. <laughs> and in the, in, but in the wake of that, I had insight the next mm. morning. I wore myself out with that. And then in the wake, you know, and then in other words, I think it's a way to get you away from thinking too much. Exactly. Yeah, she was in her head. With yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I was so exhausted the next morning, I still was kind of empty. I'd given up. <laughs> and then I got an insight, you know, that helped what I was going through. So anyway, so my turn, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, this gong on derives from a famous 10th century Tang dynasty novel, Lin Hun Ji, or Record of the Departed Soul. Mm -hmm. a bestseller of its time. The story involves two lovers, one of whom is the beautiful woman in this case. There you go, Kim. Was the beautiful woman. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, no, it says is. Yeah, in the story, <laughs> right. <laughs> She's still beautiful. <laughs> no. Um, Wuzu, here refers to Chan master Wuzu Fayan, um, one of the great oh. Chan masters. He used this story to present the real crisis of identity that one may have and the way to resolve it. Zhang Jian, the heroine of the story, was very beautiful from an early age. She had Can you a very look, yeah? What? I said, can you scroll up? Oh. Or down? Let's try Wait. this. Yeah. Okay. Zhang Quian, the heroine of the story, was very beautiful from an early age. She had a very beautiful, very handsome playmate, her cousin, whose name was Wang Zhu. Zhang Qian had an older sister who had died at a young age, so the father invested all of his love in the younger daughter. Wan Zhu and Zhang Qian lived close to each other and always played together. The father once commented, you two are such soulmates. When you grow up and get married, that will be a, really, a real blessing. The youngsters regarded these words as a kind of engagement as was often customary in pre-modern China. They developed a great love for each other and believed they would be married one day. But the father had said those words in passing without any serious reflection. Mm. When it came time for the young girl to be wed, the father arranged for her to marry some other, another young man, someone who had already established himself socially as a wealthy member of the... Uh, how do you say it? Literati? Literati. Literati. Mm -hmm. uh, the young 
cousins were extremely sad. They had grown up with the false assumption that they would be married one day. Their dream was completely crushed. Zhang Zhangyan locked herself up and Wang Zhao decided to go to another city to take the civil service examination in order to establish himself. Entering officialdom and joining the literati was a, was a way to success in pre-modern China. Telling no one, alone and completely heartbroken, Wang Zhao traveled by boat to another province. In the darkness of night, by the bank of the river, he suddenly heard someone calling his name. It sounded like Sang Qian. He docked his boat. Sure enough, he saw her waving him down, running along the riverbank. She jumped into the boat. They embraced in tears. He said, let's run away. I will study hard and I'll take the civil service examination. We'll start a family. So off they went. Within five years, he had established himself as a local official and she had given birth to two children. Although they lived happily, they began to miss their parents. In that society, it was important to have the blessing of one's parents in marriage, as well as for other aspects of life, such as employment and determining where to live. They were both good and filial. Sang Gyan said, surely my parents will understand. You have a good job now, and we have two beautiful children. It's time to go back. And so they did. As it was the custom for the man to first talk to the woman's father to receive blessings and forgiveness, Zhang Gyan remained in the boat. Wang Zhao went to his uncle, Zhang Gyan's father, who was delighted to see him. He, he exclaimed, Wang Zhao, where have you been all these years? I've been worried, sick about you, and so have your parents. Come in, come in. I'm so delighted to see you. Wang Zhao felt guilty because the uncle did not know that his daughter had run away with him. But his uncle was very happy and kept questioning Wang Zhao. Finally, Wang Zhao couldn't contain himself. Actually, I'm here to apologize to you in the hope of getting your permission and blessing to marry Qian. We have two children now and are living very happily. I have a very good job. Qian's father was completely dumbfounded. He said, what are you talking about? Which Qian? Wang Zhao said, Qian, your daughter. Her father replied, my daughter? Are you kidding? Is this a joke? My daughter has been in bed in a coma for five years. <clears throat> oh my God. <laughs> Wang Zhao quickly replied, no, no, it's, it's impossible. I am married to her. We have two children. She is right here at the harbor. The father became very angry. Get out of here and don't come back. I don't find this funny at all. The young man pleaded, no, you have to believe me. The father said, all right, bring my daughter here. I want to see her. So Wang Zhao returned to the boat, fetched his wife and brought her to the house. At that very moment, Zhang Qian got up from her bed and went to the door with her father. As soon as the two women faced each other, Qian, the wife with the two children, and Qian, the one who'd been in a coma, they joined and became one. Then the sickly Qian awoke from her coma and asked, the same way you do when you sit in meditation, who am I? The father said, you're my daughter. I'm so happy you finally woke up. The husband said, I'm so happy that you're here with me as my wife. But all Qian could remember was that Wang Zhao had gone away. 
She said, out of such sadness, I locked myself in. I dreamed that I was at the riverbank, hollering at you, calling your name, and I left with you. I can't remember anything after that. It's a funny story. This is not a ghost story. And Chan Master Fayon is really not interested in popular novels. This story actually touches something deep within us. In a way, you are living like that girl. To one person, you are a son. To another, you are a father or a daughter, a mother, a friend, an enemy. You may be someone entirely different to someone else. You may wish to reconcile all of these roles, but you can't do it. Even within yourself, you feel conflicted. You recognize different facets of yourself. For example, you know that you shouldn't do negative, harmful things, but you keep doing them. The multiple cells you feel within you seem irreconcilable. Who are you really? Your parents may relate to you as they did when you were young. You think, I'm grown up, I'm no longer three years old. But to your parents, you will always be their little daughter or son. <clears throat> you constantly find yourself in situations where you construct a narrative about yourself. And others seem to construct an image of you that often conflicts with who you think you are. This happens with close friends, family members, even with people you don't know. So to take up this going on is to take up the question, which is your real self? Woolen comments, if you can awaken to the real person here, then you realize that both leaving and entering the shell of worldly existence is like sojourning in a traveler's inn. Lori. Oh, I'm sorry. He goes on to say, if you can't awaken to the real person, don't go running around in confusion. When the physical elements that compose your body suddenly disperse, when your body is falling apart, you'll flail around miserably like a crab dropped into boiling water. Don't say, I didn't warn you so. Uh, Cody. You may have studied, you may have studied Buddha Dharma and already concluded that there is no self, even though when you see a pretty woman or a handsome man, you look twice, or when you see something you desire, you cannot distinguish your wants from your needs. Some may even believe in their conceit that they are already enlightened. What I say is don't be easily satisfied with any answer that, that you come up with or any meager realization you think you may have acquired in practice. You may continue to ask, which is the real self? You must personally shed all concepts and experiences and come to the know, come to know the an answer. Otherwise, you will only suffer when your body becomes weak, when your limbs don't listen to you. What will happen if Alzheimer's set in and you can't even remember your family? And yet you have those moments of clarity when you realize that you're just, you're losing your memory. Just recently, I was having dinner with a 90 year old friend at his house. He was just sitting there in a complete stupor. He used to be a professor with a very sharp mind. Now he needs a cane. 
He has trouble talking. He can't remember things. If you have not solved this existential dilemma of who you are, then what happens? The real person that woman is talking about is something for you to discover. Yes, Buddhism does talk about no self, yet woman here is talking about a real self. No self, real self, one or two, which one is you? <coughs> is it the one who has continuity or is it all of the fragmented images? So maybe Gail, the, the, that person that we can't identify with is the fragmented image. And, and behind, behind that, there's a real self that is still here. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Talking about either is foolish, but in meditation on this ganghan, it is important to discover the answer personally. This discovery is not conceptual or intellectual or experiential. This may sound strange as you often hear that Chan is about experience. I'm telling you right now that Chan enlightenment is not an experience. Hey. There's okay. more. No, I know that kind of uh, stopped me. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you right now that John enlightenment is not an experience. It's is not about feeling. It is not thinking, nor is it some kind of clarity from discovering that there is no self. Then what is it? Bayon himself found out. He studied very hard. He left <laughs> home to become a monk at age 35 which was very old in the pre-modern age, when life expectancy was only 60. In those days, one married at 16 or 17 and became an official, a local magistrate or a mayor in one's 20s. Therefore, by the time Mayan became a monk, he already had a lot of worldly experience. What did he do? He studied the Buddhist doctrine of the Yoga Kara or consciousness only school, which is a very complex philosophical system. At one time, he was reading the work of Master Xuan Sang, 602 to 664, the great Chinese pilgrim who went to India, translated numerous sutras and brought them back to China. He came across these words, awakening is something that can be known by someone only personally, like drinking water. When you hear this, you think Zhao Zhang is talking about personal experience, about clarity, about personally understanding and experiencing enlightenment. Fayan didn't take it that way, which would have been very superficial, a very superficial intellectual understanding. He understood it as, I have lived as a lay person for 35 years. I have studied all of these years as a monk. Who am I? This was indeed someone with good karmic potential. He took it to heart and asked his teacher, why is it that I personally don't know the taste of water? Who is, that, who is it that tastes this water? His teacher replied, you, you'd better go down south 
and asked a Chan master. So Fion went to his first Chan master and had some insight. When he met his second Chan master, Bayan Shadwan, 1025 to 72, he experienced his initial, his initial awakening and remained to study with the teacher at his monastery. Some people were jealous of Fayan because he was put in charge of the monastery storehouse where all the goods were kept. He managed it so well that he opened an exchange shop on the grounds and made a profit for the monastery. He was a real entrepreneur with a good business mind. People would donate rice, grains, and money, which he would then loan out with interest. All of his accounting books were clear. The monastery was in need, so he did what he had to do. At the same time, he had a great practice that other monks and lay people envied. They went to Bayoun and said, Fayon is always drinking alcohol in that storehouse. He feeds a host of women there. It's like a brothel in that quarter of the monastery. His master immediately called Fayon. I've heard all of these things about you. Tell me, what is going on, on there? Fayon did not try to explain. So his master believed that the monks were telling the truth. He slapped him across the face and said, get out of the storehouse, leave this monastery. Now put yourself in his shoes. When someone blames you, what do you do? Maybe you defend yourself, try to clear your name, seek justice. You want to explain yourself, especially when the accusations are false. Fayan said, before I go, I will show you the accounting books. So he showed the books to his master. Bayan saw how clearly every item had been entered and realized it would be impossible for anyone who could produce such a fine ledger not, to, not only to misappropriate funds, but also to do those things he, he was accused of doing. Bayan personally went to the storehouse and was very pleased. He reinstated Fayan in his old job. No one maligned Fayan after that. Because of this, his awakening experience in the face of criticism, blame, and false accusations, Fayan maintained <coughs> stability. However, this was not his full awakening. Sometime later, his teacher said, Fayan, Total uh, today we will all we will have many visitors whom I've met before. All of them are awakened. When I asked them a question, raised a particular gong on to them, they responded without hesitation. When I asked them about a passage from the scriptures, they explained it thoroughly without any flaws. When I observed their behavior to see if there was congruence between what they knew and what they experienced, all of them passed the test, but none of them got it. A Chan master works in a special way. He is constantly testing his students, gauging them, helping them. At these words, Fion gave rise to a great doubt. He thought, all of these monks are awakened. They have passed all the gungans. They have experience. They have the experience. They have the knowledge. They have knowledge of scripture, and they follow 
the precepts perfectly. So what is it that they have, they haven't got? Is there something more? Is there something more after awakening? Bayan had him. He said he had set up a trap and Fayan fell right into it. For three days, Fayan was in a conundrum, unable to eat, sleep, or rest. He was in what we call the great doubt sensation or the great mass of doubt. Fayan finally went to his teacher. What is it that they don't have? What is it that they haven't got? What Master Bayan actually answered is not so important, but as soon as he spoke, Bayan attained complete, thorough awakening. Bayan had bought the great doubt to a crescendo where all that existed was the doubt. And when, his, when this doubt shattered, all of his attachment also shattered. For the first time, he was completely free. Mm -hmm. Wu Man is just presenting us with a dilemma here, creating waves where there's no wind. He states, clouds and moon are the same. Streams and mountains are different. Myriad blessings, myriad blessings. Are we and they one or two? Should I go on? Uh, why is it, sorry, why is it that clouds and moon are the same and streams and mountains are not? Why is he prompting all of us to discover a self when Bo Buddha Dharma says there is no self? He is not saying that there is a real self, a real person, nor is he saying that we should be satisfied with the Buddhist teaching of no self that is not our own wisdom. That is not our own wisdom. Mm -hmm. We should be satisfied neither with the self nor with no self. We must clarify this for ourselves. In the story that Fayan cites, which, which one was the Zanggyan? Was it the girl who was bedridden or the girl who got married and had children? And how about the woman who emailed me? Which self is really her? The self that she projects and that other people see or the self she has known for 30, 40 years? Which is it? Is it one or is it two? In your own life, who are you? Are you the self who is reading this book or are you another self, the one in front of friends or the one your parents see? Maybe it is the image that you carry around with you that makes you believe that you are this or that type of person. Or are you the person that others perceive you to be? This is the fundamental question. This is something you have to know personally, like drinking water. You use this gong on, which is the real person to face yourself, to embrace yourself, to question yourself, and finally to let go of yourself. This is your primary task, your whole practice up to that point centers on this fund fundamental question. If you discover who you are, go and see your teacher. We'll verify what this self is. And if you haven't discovered it, go and see your teacher so he can examine your practice. He or she can examine your practice. After all, how can you live as a human without knowing who you are? 
But the way to discover this is not to lock yourself in a room and meditate all day. Rather, it is through your interactions in daily life amid all the cells that you present to others and all the cells that are projected onto you by others. The course of practice takes great courage, but it is to be hoped that you are in the good company of fellow practitioners. Hmm. So I it just uh, I just remembered that tomorrow I'm going to be in a Zoom meeting with high school class. Oh. Back there when I was 15. Oh. <laughs> so that will be interesting. It will. In, in have, you seen it, have you seen any of these people, Kim? Yeah, uh, yes, I went to my 20th and my 50th reu reunion. So I've seen uh, some of them. And we've had a Google group. But, um, but mostly just there have been also another group of about six of us have been corresponding a lot, but the rest of them haven't. And a bunch of us were together since nursery school. So there, uh, anyway, wow. it, it, it will be uh, kind of uh, uh, I think a powerful experience to see these people. You'll have to report back about- uh, if, if I survive, yeah. yeah here yeah. you are. <laughs> who, who am I? Right. <laughs> That's true because we hold images uh, and memories of all those people. If I were to see people that I went to school with 50 years ago, I mean, I had some idea in my head of what they were like. It would be, you know, really interesting to see how that holds up with what I'm experiencing in the moment with them, you know, kind of interesting, isn't it? So what did you think uh, when you read um, Guogu and he said that um, enlightenment or, or this awakening is not an experience? Yeah, that really startled me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the I, obvious I, question is, then what is it if it's not right, an experience? Right. It's just, it's just it. Like... That's all it is. <laughs> it's um, Ajashanti. He talks about this a little bit. You know, he, he says um, uh, the, the experiences that come along with this shift that we call awakening are just that. They're, they're byproducts. They're byproducts of the actual um, awakening. But the awakening itself is not an experience. <laughs> which is really, um, it's, you know, that's why this is such a mystery. Uh, and it's such a good question to really um, sit in. So the obvious question then would be, then what is it? Yeah. Or what am I? I mean, that's the thing. He says, don't ask any question about what is, why is anything. You, he says, you have to find out who's asking the question. Mm. He says that's the that's your first that's your first order of business. But it seems like it could be a lot of different 
I mean, a lot of different parts, right? Yeah. A lot of and different, then, coming from a lot of different places. Right. And when you look at the parts, you realize they're kind of a lot of mental constructions, actually, in an odd way, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. I don't know the answer. There's no answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love, you know, I love what that, you know, the story I was telling when the student is asking the master and he was saying, you know, everything that I've told you is true, but it, you know, fat lot of good it does to you. It does, does you unless you know it. That's basically what he, they're saying here. It's something that, um, um, uh, Let's say it reveals itself, maybe. I want to say something to all of you if we're done. So are we done? <laughs> well, nobody has an answer, so I guess we're done. <laughs> okay. So, uh, this is pretty popular uh, recording on depth on a SoundCloud and at least like 50 people for each recording. Listen to it. Depth and yeah. practice. Yes. You're kidding. No. How uh -oh. interesting. Uh Oh, who are these people? I have no idea. <laughs> but we have a fan club. Oh, huh. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize we were recording this. I don't know if I like knowing that. Yeah, I don't think I do. I'm going to be quiet from here on out. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe not. Now, it might be that they're just interested in, in the book and they don't want to buy the book. So they listen to the recording while they're driving along or. And then when the commentary comes on, they, they <laughs> shut it off. Turn the music on. When it comes time for us to discuss, they turn it off, right? <laughs> Which would probably be a good thing to do in a way, because after all, we're all stuck with trying to figure it out, you know. Um, Ultimately anyway, right? Yeah, you know, and it's... Uh, well, it's yeah. sure hard to figure it out, who you are. Yeah. It's, it's hard to land on on a on that, that you know and I, I like the way that he talked about all the different roles we play yeah because I used to think and probably still do to some extent by the way I behave you know with my in my relationships that I am that role you know what I mean mm -hmm. uh, I am a daughter and now I'm a daughter I'm visiting my mother now I'm a mother I'm you know a bad mother I'm a good mother you know um it, it, it's uh it's really it's really interesting and it's so um what do you call it unconscious yeah and um, um I, I was in another group another reading group and we were talking about these unconscious ways we identify ourselves and how it pops up even when you're uh this self-talk or this idea of who you are even when you don't expect it 
And she gave the example that she was with a friend um, the day before Mother's Day. And she's a, a, you know, an older lady, probably about 80. And her friend asked her, what are you doing for Mother's Day? And she said, I don't have anything going on. I was a bad mother. She just, she said, and it popped out of her mouth. And she's a very, um, she's actually, um, was a Buddhist nun. <laughs> for, you know, so this was sort of like, she didn't even realize that she still had this in her. It just popped out, you know, this, this identity, bad mother, you know. Um, so it's, you know, it's slippery. It's so, it's so interesting. We, so many labels we put on the, ourselves, right? Yeah. And some of them are contradictory. Yeah. They're all situational, you know, situationally defined. Yeah, that's true. We, we put a label on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through that. It's, it's, it's almost impossible not to. I mean, well, it seems that way. Yeah. I guess that you could give a label as long as you think of it as provisional. <laughs> as long as you don't believe it. That's right. <laughs> Well, we have to communicate. So this is the way human beings communicate, you know, with these uh, words and, and labels. But you're right, Laurie, it's sort of like, um, it's kind of holding it lightly or not really buying into, Completely clinging to it or pushing it or whatever you want to say about it. But I think we communicate far more than words or labels. Like right now, as you're talking, you're communicating how you're feeling about this. And even if I didn't know the um, English, I would still get some of your distress about all this or wherever you were, you know what I mean? There'd be something way beyond that, beyond the words. Yeah, Flint, Flint has always been a good one, picking up on that, you know, an mm -hmm. in inquiry. And you'd start waving your arms around or do, making some movement or, and he'd immediately um, kind of hone in uh, on the- uh, You mean in practice, in practice discussion? Well, also in practice discussion. Yeah. You know, asking someone how is it hitting them or, you know, noticing something. I think it's helped us uh, or it's helped me be more sensitive the way he's sensitive to mm. people. Yeah, but the other component is uh, when you ask yourself, what are you? I, um, I heard a spiritual teacher once um, say that one of her big insights that happened to her before she had a kind of a monumental insight was that her feelings weren't important. Yeah. It's sort of like, uh, you know, we feel that our emotions, what we're feeling, you know, is, is uh, telling us some sort of truth. But in a way, it's, it could be triggered also by thought. You know what I mean? It's sort of, they're all mixed in together, do you know? They but are, also, but it seems to be that there's like camp people that 
they believe their thoughts. And then there are people who believe their emotions. You know, there's kind yeah. of a split there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I'm feeling fear. So there must be something to be afraid of. That's we, right. make, we make decisions based on our feelings, don't we? Uh-huh. Big time. Yeah. So it was interesting that she said she was sitting in the bathtub in a bubble bath and all of a sudden just had this insight like my feelings or, you know, my emotions are really not that important. In other words, they're not, they're not where she was going to discover the answer to that question of what am I basically? <laughs> well, yeah. And a lot of times they're not true. I mean, you can yeah. have a feeling about, you think somebody's, you know, I don't know, has an opinion about you or something. So there's a lot of feelings generated and there's no truth to what whatsoever. And they don't last. They don't last. Right. Very long. Hopefully. So there you go. We are not our thoughts. We are not our beliefs. We are not our feelings. We are not our emotions. We're not our body. What? We are what? not our body. What are we? <laughs> you know, there you go. Back to the mystery. And are we? I've heard that story before about uh, the man who runs off with the woman. And I love the story. Yeah, I've never heard that one about the, the two women or the split. My story. You know, these these koans have like one one sentence lately or one or two, but depending on the characters, um, I, I love that Guo Gu expands the whole thing out and he talks about who the teacher was and who the beautiful woman was, you know, um, you get the um, context. Yeah, it's really important. It makes all the difference, context. Yeah. 